This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Sure Payroll. If you're a small business owner, you know that payroll and payroll taxes can be a headache. Sure Payroll has simplified payroll services with just three easy steps online. To learn more, visit surepayroll.com/fool and get a free quote. It's Thursday, December 15th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Mr. Ron Gross. Hey, hey. Thanks for being here. Always a pleasure. We got news. We have some, we have some news. We have a lot. You know what? There's news. We've done this podcast for a few years, and I'm telling you, from mid December, right? We got a lot of news. Sometimes we have to struggle. Sometimes we're stretching it's a little bit. It's not as plentiful as we would like. Yeah, that's not the case today. And we could. St- there are any number of stories that we're gonna. We could start with. Let's start with the Fed, though, because the Fed yesterday afternoon raised interest rates a quarter percent. I don't think anyone was really surprised by that. <laughs> right. Um, when you think about the ripple effect for investors, first, what goes through your mind? I think a lot of people, maybe rightly so, go first and foremost to the big banks. Yeah. So, right. First time, second time in 10 years. If you weren't expecting it, you just were really hadn't watched television or picked up a newspaper or anything like that. Um, so then, to your point, does it matter? As individual investors, does it matter? I know there are institutional folks and some of those other fancy TV stations out there that are acting like it matters a whole bunch, but to, to your average fool, let's say, does it really matter? Um, sure, there are companies that will be affected. Higher interest rates eventually, first of all, let's remember, they are very low still, historically low, but the Fed gave us some hints about that they will be rising. Um, so let's not forget though that you know interest rates will rise, borrowing costs rise, but they're still very low and for the most part companies will be fine. The market is a forward-looking mechanism theoretically and I will underline and boldface theoretically. The market should have been expecting this, companies should have been anticipating this. It never quite seems to work out that way for some reason, which is one of the reasons I believe markets are are somewhat inefficient, which gives folks like me an, an opportunity to beat the market. Um, but right now, still low, going to rise over the next couple of years. We're going to reach um, probably a three percent ish yield. Um, I would imagine the Fed wants to get ahead of worrying about inflation. Um, an inflation target um, of let's say two percent. We're at one and a half now. They don't want to be reactive. They want to get ahead of this. Inflation is bad, so they take action now and then they do it slowly over the next couple of years. It makes good sense. It's an indication that our economy is okay. Let's not call it great. We're probably going to grow around 1.9% this year, perhaps 2% next year. That's fine. It's not great. Might end up actually being the new normal, where most people think of the normal as being 3%. 2% might be, in this day and age, um, what we should come to expect. So, you know, for stocks, you know, we we've been in a stimulus situation. Whether you want to talk about quantitative easing or or policy from the Fed for quite some time, and the markets are obviously at all time highs, is a time for a breather based on interest rates rising, based on that stocks are somewhat fully valued. That's perhaps yes, we might see some either lackluster performance or a pullback. But for long term investors, for long term fools. I don't think it's something to worry about. You certainly don't want to start rotating out of things. Once your financial advisor says rotating to you, you should get up and rotate yourself right out of his <laughs> office. Um, stick with owning good companies for the long term, and you'll be okay. That that is a good point, particularly about because a lot of people work with advisors, and a lot of advisors are great. 
But that is one of those things that, hopefully, if you're working with a financial advisor early on, you've gotten an indication of of that very particular type of language and approach, because there are advisors out there who will say, "Well, look, let's let's get you out of right. this." And 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 a lot of times, you just sort of look back and go, "Well, wait a minute." Instead of rotating in and out of just to pick a stock, Microsoft. For the last three years, wouldn't have I? Wouldn't I have been better off just holding it the whole way through? Typically, we find yes. I'm okay with changing asset allocation based on what's going on in your life, depending on your age and your stage of life. That's a, a wonderful uh, thing that an advisor can do for you in terms of um, encouraging you to trade in and out of sectors and in and out of stocks. That's where I back off and say, you know, that's really not what we teach at the Fool, and that, in my experience, is not the best way to accumulate. Wealth over time. Let's move on to Yahoo, which is once again in the headlines for the reason that it was in the headlines earlier this year, and that has to do with a data breach. And if you thought the news earlier this year that Yahoo had a hack to the tune of 500 million accounts, peanuts. That's peanuts, because now Yahoo has uh, revealed that one billion accounts were hacked in 2013. And if I'm Verizon, or anyone at Verizon involved in the acquisition of Yahoo, I'm starting to get a little tired of this story. This is the second time that it has played out in this manner, that a massive data breach has occurred, Yahoo knew about it for some meaningful period of time before disclosing it. Yeah, not good. Not good for the people that were hacked. Um, that's the world we live in. Obviously, it seems more and more like it happens all the time, whether it's Target or Yahoo or, or insert the name of your company here. Um, it is the world we live in. But this is not good for Yahoo. It just really continues to you know people pound on their performance um, from so many different aspects over the, the last few years. And a material event, in quotes, from a contractual perspective, a material event like this does trigger a clause where Verizon has the ability, perhaps, to either renegotiate the deal, ask for a better price would be the likely scenario, or even potentially back out. Um, deals like this typically have some kind of a clause where Yahoo would actually have to pay Verizon a certain amount of money if this deal falls apart. I want to say this it's around 140 40, $45 million, about $140 million in this case, that Yahoo would be on the hook for, which actually isn't that big a number. I was just going to uh, say. In terms of a deal, the size of this deal at this point is probably just under $5 billion. Um, my guess is, I think you know, Verizon probably has more inside information than we do about how, how bad this is. But they God, probably, I hope they do. <laughs> they probably go back to the table and restructure the deal to get a discount, but probably it goes forward. Yeah, I think that is the likeliest scenario. I'm, and I'm not sure what the number is. I'm not a shareholder of either company. Yeah. But I had the same reaction as you. That doesn't seem like, particularly. I think the the price tag on the deal when it was when it was struck earlier this year was four point eight billion. So I think that if if it was either Yahoo paying somewhere in the neighborhood of four hundred five hundred million, or the deal gets restructured and it's relatively the same amount. It's and so instead of four point eight, Verizon's going to pay four point two. I think right. I don't know. I think if you're Verizon, you you really do need to think about your shareholders and how they're feeling about this deal. 
Well, yes, but you can't run your business too much about worrying about your shareholders. You have to do what you think makes sense for the business. And if Yahoo truly has assets that Verizon thinks it can use to, in the longer term, build shareholder value, and now they can get those assets at a discount, that's what they need to weigh um, in, in, in against um, both perception and, and reality in terms of are they getting themselves into something that actually is going to cause more pain than profit. We've got two mergers and one rumor. Uh, 21st Century Fox is buying Sky, the European broadcast network, for 11.7 euro. That's uh, 14.6 billion in US dollars. Yes, it is. I did the math for you there. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, I actually thought it was 14 billion in dollars. Is it? Is that? I saw 14.6 billion. Okay. Well, let's not haggle. Let's just say it's somewhere north of 14. Okay. Uh, so this obviously expands the footprint uh, for the the Fox Empire. Mondelez is on the rise today. Uh, the stock is because there are reports that Kraft Heinz is looking to acquire it. Mond- <laughs> it's interesting because you and I have gone back and forth just in the the few hours we've been in the office this morning as the news has gone back and forth because pre market that that stock was popping. Yep. Mondelez came out pretty quickly and said, "This is the first we're hearing of this. <laughs> right. No one, no one's talked to us." But there are more reports now that Kraft Heinz is on the hunt for something. Um, there seems yeah. like there's there are more threads to pull there. So let's let's go back to sure. 21st Century Fox sure, yeah, for a yeah. second. Uh, seems it seems like a logical move by Fox and uh, and a a fiscally prudent one. Yeah, I think so. Fox already owns 39% of Sky, and Rupert Murdoch is seeking to, you know, consolidate that TV um, empire of his. It, it marries the, the the content business of 21st Century Fox. Um, it's it, it combines it with Sky's. Um, they're the top pay TV company in Europe, so their their direct to consumer capabilities. Um, and it's, so it seems to make sense. I don't know if there'll be any regulatory hurdles that they need, need to to worry about. I tend to think it'll probably be okay, but I think it makes makes good sense. It's a 36% premium, they're, so they're, they're paying, I think, I, I would call it a fair price, and I think it makes sense. What do you think of the reported desire on the part of Kraft Heinz to acquire something? Mondelez appears to be the target right now. And if for whatever reason that doesn't happen, the reports are that Kraft Heinz is going to move on to other food companies. It's interesting. Um, I don't know if I don't think this will end up happening. I think this is more rumor. The Mondelez, um, it's an investment banker dream, by the way. If, you know, they just separated in 2012 to put the band back together, right? Um, just a few years later, and, and earned another set of fees. Um, that that's cha-ching. But I, I don't think that happened. That's the investment banker saying, you know what, we're going to rotate you out of Mondelez, and now we're going to we think we we should rotate Mondelez uh, back that's in. That's great. But you know, when you think of Kraft, which is um, the company, you know, Buffett and 3G Capital together. Um, doing that deal, it makes sense to me that they want to continue to grow um, and continue to take out inefficiencies. We hate the word synergies around here, but sometimes you can take out inefficiencies, you can take out costs, um, and you can grow your market share, um, whether it's in your core business or, or expand to other businesses. They certainly have the equity to do it, um, and. Uh, Actually, if if Kraft wanted to to do this deal with Mondelez, they could probably do half of it or more in debt, um, with the rest coming from a coming of Buffett three G combination. So I, I think it makes sense, and I think it's something to keep an eye on um, as they try to to grow their market share. 
I just like the idea that Kraft Heinz, that someone at Kraft Heinz is pounding the table saying, "We gotta buy something." Mondelez, General Mills, Campbell's Soup, someone. We gotta buy someone. You, you, you got to do something. It's it's a it's a good environment for that. I wouldn't and I wouldn't uh, be surprised to see continued consolidation around kind of this this general space. All right. Before we continue, quick word about Sure Payroll. If you own a small business, you already know payroll can be a headache. Small businesses pay hefty fines on a yearly basis due to payroll oversights. Now you can protect your business and remove the payroll tax complications with Sure Payroll. It's simple and can be used on any device in just three easy steps. Just three steps, Ron. That's great. You know, one of my favorite things about working is the payroll. <laughs> As an employee, you yes, like the payroll. Yes. I wouldn't want the headache. Yeah, you don't want the headache. There's no more headache with Sure Payroll. Awesome. Three steps. One, enter your employees' hours and salaries. Two, preview the taxes being deducted. Three, you approve the payroll. That's it. You're done. Sweet. Three steps. That's it. That's the list. Sure Payroll will automatically file and pay your federal, state, and local taxes. They make it easy and affordable to manage your small business payroll online so you can focus on your business, which is what your customers want you to focus on. Here, here. Uh, customers of Sure Payroll include a range of business types, including dental offices, insurance agents, restaurants, barbershops, charitable foundations, tech startups, and Steve Broido. Oh, our nice. man Steve Broido more important. is a Sure Payroll customer. He loves it. They have a, an A plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Just go to surepayroll.com slash fool and fill out a free quote form. Check it out at surepayroll.com slash fool. All right, let's get to the big mover. And I honestly never thought I would say this about this company, <laughs> but Pier One. Shares of Pier One are up 35% after a third quarter report for the ages. Profits much higher than expected. They raised full fiscal year guidance. I didn't see this coming at all, and I wouldn't have bet a dime on this happening. And you were probably right not to, except for the hindsight factor. Uh, up seventy percent this year, um, so they, they had some some strength even before today. This is the exact reason why investing in specialty retail is so hard. Um, re- rewind back to two thousand and nine. This stock was trading for eleven cents a share. Um, bankruptcy rumors all over the place. They managed to stay. Out of bankruptcy and do what they needed to do to rebuild the business, but to predict that properly um, and to even peg any kind of value of what you think that company is worth when they really were almost worth nothing at that point is very very hard for investors. Specialty retail is riddled with companies that have gone bankrupt, and I caution investors to be very careful when when looking at specialty retailers because it's a very tough business especially in today's day and age where everything is online and you have the amazons of the world competing um, but pier 1 to its credit has done a nice job of of turning the ship speaking of e-commerce they um, now have grown their business to be 20% online. Um, their e-commerce business was up 28% for the quarter. That's a strong number. But as you said, this is the expectations game in the investing world, at least in the short term, and they beat all expectations, and they raise their guidance to the point of now, you know, they're yielding 3%. Prior to today, they were probably yielding 4%. That's just the way the math works out. Yields come down as stock prices go up. So, you're getting a nice dividend, um, which in, in in certain circles, one of those circles being my own, it would be considered like a risky, a junk yield. Let's, I'm going to coin that phrase if no one else has, um, because it's, it's yours. Thank you, and, and this is live, so right. yeah, copyright. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
you know, I wouldn't have considered that that yield to be safe. Um, uh, perhaps it's looking uh, safer now. Uh, companies not out of the woods yet. The these specialty retailers ebb and flow. They'll be up. They'll be down. Um, stock trading. Let's say uh, after today's increase, I want to say twenty one times um, relatively low earnings because they're still trying to turn the ship. But it's not something that I would bet on. This is a company with a market cap just over seven hundred million dollars. There is. I mean, we just talked about food companies and and finding value there. Is this an acquisition target? Because if if they're able to do something, even in a small way, that other retailers aren't doing as well, I could see a, a larger entity swooping in and saying, "You know what? We'll take you." They have some. Well, you know, what do they have that can't be reproduced or that somebody else isn't doing besides a ton of wicker retail? In <laughs> inventory, I want to say. Um, you know, more so than an acquisition. Someone's target, buying all they, that wicker. Exactly. Uh, my mom, actually. Um, more so than an acquisition candidate, I would say they are ripe for an activist investor, which um, we have actually seen. Alden Global owns just under 10% of this company. They've been pushing to be more involved. They want board seats. They actually wanted um, a seat at the table uh, for a new CEO search. Actually, the the chairman just just today was was named the new CEO. His name is Terry London. Alex Smith is is leaving the company, and Alden Capital really wanted to be part of that process. They appear to not have been. I'm sure they're not happy about that, but. I think when the stock you own 10% of is up 35%, they're probably getting over it. When was the last time you set foot inside of Pier 1? <laughs> it's been a long time. I want to say, and this is directionally correct, but detailed wrong, 10 years ago, maybe more. Really? That long? Maybe more. No, well, I have a story. Okay. Don't rush me. Oh. <laughs> 10 years, probably more, 15 years ago. Berkshire Hathaway took a position in Pier 1 when it was doing poorly. and We never knew if it was a Warren Buffett position or um, whether it was Lou Simpson of Geico um, taking a nibble at it. But at that point, it, it just kind of piqued my interest, and, and I was um, a small-cap, micro-cap value investor back in those days. So, I did go and I did do some diligence. I, I honestly wasn't very impressed. I, I didn't understand what, what Berkshire saw in that investment. I think they probably sold it shortly thereafter. So, I, I didn't move forward. But I did I did do some diligence. I want to say it was a couple of years ago for me. There's one not uh, too far from Fool HQ. I find Pier 1 to be one of those stores that, uh, if you're looking to kill time, you're looking to kill 20 minutes. You can kill 20 minutes in a Pier One, just just looking around. Because unlike uh, like a, a Restoration Hardware or yeah. something like that, which is obviously a more upscale store, but also I, I think of Restoration Hardware just in terms of the furniture, which is so expensive. There's plenty of stuff in Pier One where you you could look at and say, ah, for ten bucks, throw I'll that buy. on my desk. Yeah, or, yeah. throw a pillow, get a wine rack, maybe a little, on a the little cheap, a little chotch, a little holiday. I just went to PierOne.com since you were talking about their uh, their yeah. rising e-commerce sales, Whole, and rightly so. Boy, they are pushing the holiday chotchkes. <laughs> What's the main one on the page? Uh, nutcrackers, which uh, well, I, shocking. You know what? I I I don't completely understand the nutcracker phenomenon. They, I I understand why they are sold this time of year. Of course, I understand why there is some appeal for some people, but, but not mass appeal. But it, yeah, it really seems like someone 
high up on the Grand Council is trying is trying to make nutcrackers happen for all of us. And I'm, I just want to say no. It's, it's a niche thing. They keep trying. They keep trying, but no. <laughs> All right, Ron Gross, thank you for being here. My pleasure. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.